He said, to the extent I desire to move through you, you must allow me to cut on you. The Leader's Cut. What's up, everybody? Welcome back to The Leader's Cut. We're going to talk about some fun stuff. And, and listen, let me just say, uh, I know some might be tempted to tune this conversation out. And the some would probably be the younger on the spectrum. And, and let me just say, as we talk about finishing well, I'm going to give you a passage of scripture right from Jesus to, especially for the young ones, calibrate us all as to the importance of this conversation. But before I give you that passage, let's do what we do. Let's pray before we get into these cuts. Spirit of the living God, thank you for giving us the opportunity to finish well. We know how important finishing is. You came to this earth, Jesus, not just to do a work, but to finish the work. You said it is finished. An unfinished work is not a good work. So Holy Spirit, would you cut on the oaks who maybe are, are just weary from a long journey? Would you sweetly and gently, but supernaturally speak to each of them, encouraging them, strengthening them to continue the race with the same vigor that they started it with? And for the twigs, I pray that you would challenge each of them to begin preparing and focusing on running the race so well that they run it all the way to the finish line. God, we need help. And we can't run this race without you. But I pray you'd speak to every one of us. And where I need to be cut on today, would you use these words to cut on me? And would you use these words to cut on us all? In Jesus' name. All right, let me give you the passage to kind of calibrate where we're going so that we all understand the significance of this. Because Oaks, let me say, this, is, this really is for you. And I know some people think, you know, that it's a, a younger audience that uh, is in this conversation. It really isn't. It's pretty balanced. And so Oaks, tune thine ear, all right? And here's why. Because you're so important. You're a very important part. I don't care how old you are. You're a very important part of what God wants to do in the earth today. All right? And Twigs, if you have any desire to be an oak at any point in your life, you better focus on finishing well. And the only way to finish well is to run every step of the race well, knowing that if you run the whole race well until the last step, you didn't run the whole race well. Here's what Jesus said in Luke chapter 14, verses 28, 29, and 30. He said, For which of you, intending to build a tower, does not sit down first and count the cost, whether he has enough to finish it, lest after he has laid the foundation and is not able to finish, all who see it begin to mock him, saying, This man, or this is the man who began to build and was not able to to finish. Jesus is helping us understand the importance of finishing the race 
Well, so I'm going to give you a couple of things, oaks and twigs, of course, but especially oaks, because this, this TLC is a message in a bottle uh, to all of the amazing oaks out there that, for whatever reason, may be tempted not to finish as well as they started. Here's the first thing we all need to understand about finishing well. Finishing well is extremely difficult. People got to understand, and, and I'm, I'm speaking up for the Oaks. Finishing well is hard. It's not just some walk in the park. And there's some very specific reasons why finishing well is so extremely difficult. Here's the first reason. The journey took more energy than people understand. Twigs, you can't look at an oak and, and diminish them or their lives because they may not be finishing well. Finishing well is hard. Don't assume you know how easy or hard their journey was. Their journey took a lot more energy than you will ever understand. John chapter 4, verse 6 says, Jesus, therefore, being wearied from his journey. This is how the story of the woman of the well sets up. It's, it's just this throw-in line right here that I think is so important principally. Jesus, being wearied from his journey, sat thus by the well. Little New King James right there. Jesus was tired. That's why he was sitting by that well. He had been on a journey, and the journey was wearying. The longer and harder the journey was for any oak, the easier it is to be exhausted by the end of it. Now, two things to remember about exhaustion. There, there are really, in my opinion, two reasons for experiencing exhaustion. First, you're running on empty. Second, running quite well. Running on empty simply means I'm not stewarding myself well enough to have the energy I need to run well. Okay, so I got to steward myself better. But don't, don't look at exhausted oaks and assume, oh, they're just not taking care of themselves. Maybe, but there's also the possibility that they've been running so well for so long that they're exhausted. So can we please honor the oaks who are tired, not by making assumptions and judgments that they're weak now? They're not weak. They've just been running harder than the rest of us. I'm going to get riled up in this whole thing because I got a lot of friends right now who are oaks, who, who are, are trying to finish well. And finish doesn't mean the race is over tomorrow. Finish means it's not done. And I'm surrounded by some amazing oaks who have run really, really great races, but they're tired. Doesn't mean they're weak. From my front row seat to the oaks in my life, I've watched them run so well. Of course they're a little tired. Of course they need a little bit more of a break between laps. That's what happens when you run a race very few are willing to enter. Let me just say this to the oak who might be exhausted right now. Being a hero doesn't involve having more energy than everyone else. Being a hero just means you know where to get more energy when you need it. Isaiah chapter 40, verses 29, 30, and 31 say, God gives power to the weak and strength to the powerless. Even youths will become weak and tired. 
How about that, twigs? Don't be looking at oaks, all judgmentally, going, look how weak they are. Even youths will become weak and tired, and young men will fall in exhaustion. Why do they fall in exhaustion? Because they're running. It's a simple principle. But those who trust in the Lord will find new strength. They will soar high on wings like eagles. They will run and not grow weary. They will walk and not faint. Oak, if you're exhausted, stop beating yourself up, please. Sure, maybe you need to take a little bit better care of yourself. I I get it, okay? But don't beat up on yourself. You've run a lot of laps. And I, for one, am not going to stand here and let you say, well, I'm, I'm just weak. No, no, no. No, you're running well, and you've run well. And by God's grace, you're going to finish well. 2 Corinthians 4.16 says, Though our bodies are dying, as long as we're in our bodies, no matter how old you are, my body, second by second, is moving closer and closer to death. That means it's dying. It's in the process of dying. This temporary body is in the process of dying. Though our bodies are dying, our spirits are being renewed every day. Yes, Oak, your body is getting a little more tired than it used to, but that doesn't mean your spirit has to as well. Here's the second reason, and I kind of put two reasons into one on this one, and I'm just going to use scripturally one of the two to paint a picture for both. But one of the reasons why finishing well is so extremely difficult is because eyes and ears don't work as well as they used to because of overuse. I remember one of my mentors saying years ago, I just don't feel like I can see ahead the way I used to. I don't feel like I can hear the Lord speaking about what's next as much as I used to. And I I remember feeling in that moment, it was so sweet and special and holy for me. I, I felt the Lord very sweetly say, well, of course, your eyes and ears don't work as well as they used to. That's what happens when you use them a lot. I'm going to make a statement that might sound a little bit, uh, not just shocking, but it might sound uh, demeaning. But I want to help you see using scripture that it's not, it's actually a compliment. None of my mentors, none of them, not one, see as clearly in old age as they did when they were younger. They have spurts of seeing and spurts of clear hearing, but all of them would say, I don't quite see as clearly as I used to. I don't quite hear as clearly as I used to. It doesn't mean that that they can't hear. It doesn't mean that they can't see. I'm going to show you in Scripture. The reason when they say, I can't see quite as clearly as I used to. I'm going to show it to you in Scripture. Genesis 48, verse 10. Jacob was half blind. Half blind. He was not fully blind. He was half blind because of his age and could hardly see. Look at Genesis 27, verse 1. Look at Isaac. His father, one day when Isaac was old and turning blind. 
He wasn't blind. He was turning blind. Okay, when I say that none of my mentors see as clearly as they used to, I'm not taking a shot. I'm honoring. This is what happens when you've used your eyes to see what's ahead as the Spirit leads them ahead more clearly than everybody else, more consistently than everybody else. When you use your ears to press in to hear what God is saying more than all of your peers, of course, by the time you get later into life, you're going to feel like you don't hear quite as well as you did when you were younger. Listen, we experience this practically. When I was 21, my eyes were, were like 2010. I'm now middle-aged. I'm about to turn 45. My eyes don't work as well. Why? Because I've used them to read the word and other things. But one of the things I take pride in, I, I remember Holly said, your eyes seem like they're, they're going south quickly. And I realized why they were going south so fast. I was staying up late, 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 trying not to wake her up. And I was in bed reading through scripture, chapter after chapter after chapter. And I did this for a really extended season of time. And, and the light, because I didn't want to wake her up, was so dim, my eyes were struggling to see. And over that period of time, because I was using my eyes so much in that manner, it got harder to see as a result. Let me just say this personally. This is how I feel, okay? I would rather have eyes which have seen so much that they've become a little dim than have eyes which were great only because they haven't seen Jack. I'm going to be riled up in this one because I love some people that are oaks that, that for various reasons, that they're not done. And I'm going to be riled up with this whole thing and I'm not going to apologize for it. If I had to pick between somebody whose eyes don't work quite as well as they used to, just because they've seen 10 times more than me versus someone whose eyes work great only because they've never actually used their eyes to see anything ahead and how the, the spirit of God is leading ahead. No, 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 no. Give me the eyes that don't work quite as well. Because listen to me closely, the eyes that don't work quite as well still can tell the stories of what they saw God do all those years. So I'll take eyes that don't see quite as well. Let me just say to the oaks who, who maybe feel their eyes don't work quite as well. They're a little tired. First John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17. Give a little bit of a heads up and a be careful. For all that is in this, in this world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. And the world is passing away and the lust of it. But he who does the will of God abides forever. A forever is a finishing word. It's interesting that in this passage, ending with talk, you know, talking about finishing forever, getting to forever, involves the lust found in the earth. And one of the three is the lust of the eyes. Remember, please, oaks and twigs, tired eyes, can quickly turn into lusting eyes. The things of this world are the easiest to see simply because the enemy is working so hard to tempt you with them. 
We see this with Jesus in the wilderness. When Jesus was tired in the wilderness, Satan used the lust of the eyes to tempt him. That was one of the temptations, the lust of the eyes. Matthew 4, verses 8 and 9. Again, the devil took Jesus up on an exceedingly high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of the world and their glory. And the devil said to him, all these things I will give to you if you will fall down and worship me. Satan tried to use the lust of the eyes. When Jesus was tired from fasting and fighting the temptation of the enemy in the wilderness. Now, let me just say this to my Oki friends and family members. I want to encourage you because you might be a little bit pessimistic and skewing a little negatively, thinking nobody can finish with clear eyes and with the strength they once had. I beg to differ. Deuteronomy 34, verse 7 says, Moses was 120 years old when he died. Yet his eyesight was clear. And he was as strong as ever. It is possible. It's just going to take doing some things a little bit more than you think you should. To stay dialed in as we get older, it always requires more work. Here's the second reason that finishing well is so extremely difficult. Not the reason it's so difficult. Here's another thing, let me say, that uh, we all need to understand about finishing well, which is so difficult. Finishing well is so important. It's difficult because it's important. Two reasons why finishing well is so important. First, because the enemy wreaks havoc with a yeah but. Think about it like this. If someone faithfully serves the Lord at a supernaturally high level for many, many years and then has a moral failure, what do people typically remember them most for? Unfortunately, it's not the supernatural resume. It's the sinful affair. This is kind of tongue-in-cheek, but just because of the, the rhythm of it and the poetic nature of this one-liner, Satan tempts your butt in an attempt to ruin your life's resume with a yeah butt. He's constantly going to be tempting. And what, it, what is a yeah butt? When a twig recounts the resume of a godly oak who didn't finish well. It says, look, look at what they did. They did this and this and this. One of Satan's favorite things to do is to finish that conversation by saying, yeah, but this. I hate that life works this way. I hate that someone can be faithful for decades and then fall in an instant. And it'd be so difficult for people to remember the years and years and years of faithfulness. The reason it's so hard is because Satan is at work. 
Satan is constantly trying to disempower the testimony of every oak. Why? Because scripture is clear. We overcome our enemy by the blood of the lamb and the word of our testimony. This is one of the reasons why it's so important to finish well so that Satan can't minimize the testimony of God's faithfulness in your life so that he can't minimize what you and God did together all throughout your life. Really, really important. I don't want to make the enemy's job easier. Not going to let him turn my life into a yeah, but that's my goal. I don't want anything to do with that. It's not going to be easy, but it is extremely important. Here's the second reason why finishing well is so important because the next generation is watching. Oaks, let me, let me say this to you because I, I talk with especially much older Oaks and from time to time I'll hear something like this. Well, none of the young ones care anymore. They don't even pay attention to me anymore. They don't even notice I'm in the room anymore. They don't even notice when I walk into the room. Oaks, here's what I would say. One of the biggest lies the enemy throws at an oak is that very thing. Nobody cares about me anymore. It's not true. Someone is always watching. We all need to be reminded of that. And that's not a bad thing. It's a good thing. Someone is always watching. Oaks, someone is always watching. They're watching you during meet and greet. They're watching you when you pay at the counter. They're watching when they bump into you at a cafe and, and you don't even see that they're there. They're watching how you talk to the person that you're sitting at the table with. Someone is always watching. Exodus 33 verse 11 is one of my favorite pictures of what watching leads to. It's a passage talking about how special Moses' time with the Lord was when God would come to the tent of meeting and speak face to face with him. It says this, inside the tent of meeting, the Lord would speak to Moses face to face as one speaks to a friend. Afterward, Moses would return to the camp, but the young man who assisted him, Joshua, son of Nun, watch, would do what Moses just did. He would remain behind in the tent of meeting. Why would Joshua stay in the tent of meeting? Here's the answer. Because his oak did. That's why. It's not just because he wanted to. Trust me. Preston, you don't know. No, no. This is a principle of following an oak. This, this has been much of my life. I wish I could say the things that I do are just because I want to. They're not. It's because I've watched my oaks do them. I watched them go into the tent. So when they go to lead the people, I'm staying in the tent the way Joshua did. They stay because they're watching. Oaks, you will never know how many people were watching you while you're still on this side of heaven. Second, please, Oaks, don't use no one is watching as an excuse or a reason 
not to do what is right. Someone is always watching. And let me just say from, from a little more personal experience, just things I'm navigating right now. If oaks don't finish well, it becomes an excuse for twigs not to run well. Finishing well is hard. And if an oak doesn't finish well, the enemy loves to come in and whisper, then what's the point? If, if so-and-so can't finish well, if she can't finish well, Preston, she's an oak. If he can't finish well, what's the point? If they can't finish well, then what's the point of you trying? This is what Satan tries to do. Let me talk to the twigs for a sec. Twigs don't become oaks by making excuses which involve oaks. Someone's always watching. And they're taking their cue from you. Please. Don't minimize the fact that the next generation is watching. Oaks, we're learning from you. And I want to be careful in how I say this. But one of the reasons every oak needs to finish well, I, I know it's for the Lord. We do everything as unto the Lord. But another reason why every oak needs to finish well it's because they're teaching the twigs that follow them. They need to finish well too. And if when I become an oak, for whatever reason I make the decision not to do what must be done in order to finish well, then all of the twigs I have spent my life trying to raise up to go much further in the kingdom than I did. How many of them will continue to use me as an example? And when it gets hard for them, they'll quit trying to run well too. <laughs> it's one of the hardest things. Being an oak is one of the hardest things because you're not just doing what you do for you. You're not just doing what you do for God. You're doing what you do for the twigs God's called you to raise up. I'm just telling you. Please don't listen to the enemy if you've become convinced no one's watching you. It's not true. You're going to see years from now on the other side of this life, you're going to see how many were actually watching you the whole time. And I believe you're going to be shocked. when you see the number that God graced you to impact. This is why we must keep doing what must be done to finish well. Here's the third thing we really need to remember about finishing well. Finishing well is so expensive. <laughs> it's so difficult. It's so important. 
And it's so expensive. Paul gives us the goal, I believe. In 2 Timothy chapter 4, verse 7, he says, I fought the good fight. I have finished the race. And I have remained faithful. Paul's helping us understand the goal isn't just to run the race well. When you run the race well, it means the goal is all the more that you finish the race well by remaining faithful. So let's talk about a few things. First, because if if we're going to finish well, we got to understand what it entails. First, finishing well means you have to stay consistent all the way to the end. Let me give you one of my heroes. And, And when I say Solomon is one of my heroes, really what I'm saying is the young Solomon. Because when you study Solomon's story, the old Solomon probably wasn't anybody's hero who was endeavoring to live with clean hands and a pure heart. By the time he got to old age, he he was not consistent. He was not living as the same man he was when he started. I'm going to show you in one verse, 1 Kings chapter 11, verse 4. For when Solomon was old, his wives, the verse before this tells us he had 700 and 300, so 1,000 wives and concubines. When Solomon was old, his wives turned away his heart after other gods. And his heart was not wholly true to the Lord his God, as was the heart of David his father. Notice, I love how the ESV says, not wholly true to the Lord. That means parts of his heart were true to the Lord. He hadn't abandoned the Lord. He just wasn't as committed to the Lord as he was when he was younger. Here's one of the scariest things about Solomon's life. Solomon started his race with a thousand sacrifices, but he ended his race with a thousand wives and concubines. Never seen that before in scripture like that one-liner. When I got it, it hit me. Because he's been my hero. It was like the Lord was reminding me. I've said since I was 13, I want to be like Solomon. And this week, the Holy Spirit reminded me, okay, just remember, while you may start your race with a thousand sacrifices when only one was required, when only one wife is allowed, it's entirely possible to end up with a thousand wives and concubines. Preston, don't. You must finish the way you started. How do we get to a place like that? How do you get to a place where you have a thousand wives and concubines? Here's my answer. One at a time. The fastest way to fall is one step at a time. To minimize one step in the wrong direction. Ah, it's no big deal. Well, of course, I'm changing. I'm older. You convince yourself you're entitled to do things a little bit differently than you did when you were younger because you've earned the right. Okay, that's how my flesh talks. That's not how Christ in me talks. He gave up his divine privileges, set them aside to run his race on this earth. 
You think I'm going to be able to carry entitlement all throughout my life and run my race well? Heck no. Nobody starts their race thinking they'll end with a thousand wives and concubines. You get there one ungodly marriage at a time. And you get to one ungodly marriage at a time. One ungodly choice at a time. This is tough. Because listen, this, this is going to sound a little harsh, and I don't mean it for it to be harsh. It, I just believe it's a reality of life. The way you finish is the way they'll remember you. I don't even want to say it out loud. I think we, we hope that the way people will remember us is in our best times. But unfortunately, we have an enemy who's constantly trying to remember, remind everyone of our worst times. And the average person is going to remember me by how I finish, not by how I started. They will remember you by how you finish. Here's the second thing we got to remember uh, and embrace about the expensive side of finishing well. Finishing well means you cannot quit before it's time. Probably going to get a little riled up on this one too. I want to say this sweetly, Oaks, but you can't just ride off into the sunset. You can't. I'm sorry. You can't. You cannot just ride off into the sunset. Preston, how dare you tell me as an oak what I can or can't do? No, I'm not trying to tell you what to do. Let me tell you why I don't think you can ride off into the sunset just because you feel like it. Because God has more supernaturally significant laps for you to run. He's not done. And the way you know he's not done is because he hasn't taken you to his side yet. You can't just ride off into the sunset. I know it's exhausting. I know it. Of course it's exhausting. You climb the mountain more than any of your peers. Just because I'm tired doesn't mean I can quit. James 1 verse 12 said, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial. For when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life. Sometimes I wonder if Oaks who have run incredible races want to quit a little too early simply because the enemy's bombarding them with messages and reasons why they should quit. Can I just say to the Oaks 
if I were your enemy, I'd try and get you to quit. I'd try and get you to be done with the race before it was over. Because some of the best bullets fired in life, I think, come from those with pure hearts at the end of their lives. It's not in our prime. It's in our purity. That's why I will always be an advocate, always, for the Oaks to keep on running. No matter what it looks like. You don't have to do the things you used to do as many times. Just keep doing it. Just keep doing it. Remain steadfast. Don't bow out. The race isn't over. God wants to do more. Think of it like this. And I know the enemy can make this feel so overwhelming if you've done big things in your life in the past. But what if God wants to do even more in the last lap of your life than he did in all the other laps of your life combined? And what if he wants to grace you? I just said this to one of my mentors last week that I believe God's going to grace you to do more in this lap with less outflow, energy, loss of energy than in the previous laps of your life where you're pouring out the most energy. There's going to be a divine grace to run the same race, needing less energy, but at the same time having more impact. You can't quit. You can't hide. It's too big. And Oak, you're too amazing to preemptively ride off into the sunset. This is war. And you're under attack. It's not because you're weak. It's not because you're bad. You're under attack because you've been dominant. So cut yourself some slack. Just don't quit. Please don't. Here's the third thing you have to understand about the expense of finishing well. Finishing well means you keep your hands clean and your heart pure. This one is a toughie. And it's not a toughie because somebody's impure or unclean. It's a toughie because God's enemy is. He's filthy. He's dirty. He's nasty. We can't stand him. And the enemy knows. If he can dirty up the hands of the godly. And if he can deposit some impurity in their hearts. He knows it's game, set, and match. Finishing. The race, well, 
means getting to the top of the hill the Lord set apart for you to climb. And how? How do we climb that hill? Psalm 24, verses 3 and 4. Tell us. Who shall ascend the hill of the Lord? Or who shall stand in his holy place? He that hath clean hands and a pure heart. Who hath not lifted up his soul unto vanity, nor sworn deceitfully. Finishing well isn't about finishing perfectly. It's about finishing with your purity. The longer we run, the more tempting it gets to start cutting corners as it relates to personal purity and the cleanliness of our hands. I get so frustrated at times over the last two plus decades, you know, part of my job is to spend time around people who are all at war. We don't battle against flesh and blood, but against powers and principalities in the unseen world. I get really frustrated when I see how consistently the enemy tries to rob man, rob woman of their purity. The reason I get frustrated is because of what it costs. If I give up clean hands and a pure heart, I can't get to the top of this hill. I've told you before, the Lord was very clear with me about my life. Now he would judge whether or not my life was successful in his eyes. He said, Preston, it won't be how many you reach. It won't be measured by how much you were able to do. I'll measure the success of your life by this. Did you finish with clean hands and a pure heart? What scares me about losing a pure heart and gaining unclean hands is the easiest way to do both of those things is when there's distance between me and God. We all know the closer we are to him, the more sensitive we are to his sensitivities. Of course, we are to be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but we must never forget. R.T. Kendall was the one that helped me understand this via book, the sensitivity that, that the Holy Spirit is sensitive to. I must be sensitive to the Holy Spirit, but the Holy Spirit is sensitive too. And when I start to lose some of the purity in my heart, it always comes because I've allowed some distance between me and God. 
the only way to finish the race well is with clean hands and a pure heart. Let me just speak practically. Oaks and twigs who are preparing for their season as an oak and getting to the end and finishing well. I think one of the reasons we gain unclean hands and lose the purity in our heart is we get sucked into the machine of doing more and more, trying to be a success. And we start doing things God didn't ask us to do. And when we start doing things God asked us, did not ask us to do, we're operating in the flesh, not by the Spirit. And when I operate in the flesh, you know what works best? Unclean hands and an impure heart. But the only way to operate in the Spirit is with clean hands and a pure heart. In the same way that I said I would rather have eyes that have seen much that don't work as well than eyes that seemingly work great only because they've never seen a thing. In the same way, I would say I would rather have an oak towards the end of their race who seemingly does less but maintains clean hands and a pure heart than an oak who's striving to do more and more and more. And the only way they're able to pull it off is with unclean hands and an impure heart. Give me less with more purity than more with impurity. Finishing well, and I'm talking to myself, it's going to be expensive. I know it because I've watched it over the last two plus decades. Mentors run well, finish well, go be with the Lord. Mentors run well, not finish well. I think one of the most expensive parts of finishing well is the purity of our hearts. Twigs, don't create a habit today of cutting corners. Just because you think no one's watching, you cut that corner. Never forget, God sees every bit of it. And no shortcut is worth it if it causes me to have to distance myself from the one who is perfectly pure in order to pull it off. I know at times I got a little, probably a little too strong. I just, I love, I love the oaks in my life. And I love every oak in the family of God. And I love the twigs that are given shade by the oaks in their lives. And this is really serious to me. Twig, if you made it to the end of this, when it was predominantly for the oaks, Kudos to you. My prayer is that you would have just heightened your odds of finishing well just a little bit more as a result. To the oaks that made it to the end of this, I want you to know. You can do it.
It may not seem like it, but you can. And now I'm going to say something kind of strong. You must. Ecclesiastes 7.8 says, The end of a thing is better than its beginning. How you finish will always be more important than how you started. Can I pray? Especially over our oaks. I'm going to pray over our twigs too, but I want to pray over our oaks. God, thank you for our oaks. What a gift oaks are. First, I just pray a measure of protection over each one of them. Pray over their health, that you would strengthen them. Just like Moses, you would give them more strength later in life than you did earlier in life. I pray that you would give them clarity of sight. It's possible. God, I just pray you would raise up the oaks in the family of God in this day on the earth. Would you give them an, a, new, a new anointing? an increase in supernatural energy, a saturation of the oil of heaven. Break and sever every word, curse, and spell spoken over them in Jesus' name. I pray that truly the latter would be far greater than the former to the extent that the former was awesome. That means I pray the latter would be even more awesome. God, no, no matter what situation the oaks find themselves in, no matter how tired, no matter how dim the light, no matter how plugged the ears, Would you step in and show yourself mighty in battle like you never have before in their lives? And I pray for the twigs. I pray there would be an anointing on every one of them to run well. I pray you'd surround each one of them with godly oaks who are running well and finishing well. May they all count the cost. Holy Spirit, would you show them it's worth every penny. Finishing well is worth every sacrifice. Help each of us who are earlier in our race to set things up in such a way that we finish well when we're done with our race. Holy Spirit, would you do right now in this moment what I cannot do? Here is holy. And I pray there 
on the other side of that camera would be even more holy than here. This is war. And the only way to win this war is to stay faithful running this race. Holy Spirit, help us all to run so well that we all finish well. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. Oaks, I love you so much. I love you, love you, love you. We're so grateful for you. You bring so much to our lives. And we are cheering you on. Twigs, find a couple oaks, especially if they feel a little or seem a little weary, worn down. Take them to coffee. Take them to breakfast. Take them to lunch. Take them to dinner. Light them up like a Christmas tree. Encourage them. Let them know. Many are watching. Make sure you support them even more than they've always supported you. No matter what. Forever and always. No matter what. I love you all. Can't wait to see you next time.